Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Clever Girls Know podcast. This is Bola Shokumbi. I'm the founder and CEO of Clever Girl Finance. The Clever Girls Know podcast is a podcast for women, offering a space for conversations around personal finance, business, life, and living. I'd love for you to subscribe to this podcast, and you can do that everywhere you listen to your podcast episodes. And if you love what you listen to, head on over to iTunes and leave a review so that other amazing women just like you can find this podcast as well. I'd also love for you to stop by clevergirlfinance.com. We have new content on the blog multiple times a week. We have over 30 plus free courses. Plus, when you sign up for a course, you can talk to a Clever Girl Finance mentor for free to get encouragement, motivation, or if you just want to have an open, no shame, no judgment girl talk. Finally, check out our YouTube channel. Just search Clever Girl Finance on YouTube. And if you don't already follow us on Instagram, you can find us at Clever Girl Finance. Okay, so let's get into today's episode. Hi, Nadia. Hi, Bola. How are you? <laughs> I'm doing great. So welcome to the Clever Girls Know podcast. I am so excited to have you here. Me as well. Yeah, so you're going to be talking about your amazing tips on how you plan and afford travel with your kids your budget cooking hacks and key balance tips for working moms, which is really, really important. But before we dive into the topic, tell us who you are and what you do. Hi, of course. First of all, I am super excited. I met you at this like lunch pool party in the summer and towards just your demeanor, your casualness, your confidence. So I think you're one of those interesting figures that the world should watch out for. So you're too kind. <laughs> definitely someone someone can gravitate towards. So I'm glad we did this. And I'm so excited to be sharing my journey with all of you on travel, food, motherhood, career balancing, and anything else that might come in. So I do this regularly with Journey to Table. And that is my Instagram handle. I started it, I will be honest, and say four years ago and kept taking small breaks because I wanted to shape it into something I thought was most authentically, meaningfully me and what I really wanted to speak about. So it changed over time. And right now it's back on track to really talk about all the things that you just mentioned, which is, you know, thinking about making food easy and accessible and may, you know, kind of demystify everyone's kind of concerns about how to make great healthy meals from around the world and, you know, connect them to the world through those meals, as well as travel, right? Thinking about traveling with young kids, budgeting and making sure that there is time to really make sure that we're growing meaningful children and they've got as much exposure to the world as possible. And that's a lot through travel locally even. So don't even worry about what do I do if I can't do international budget? I have to say one of my favorite things is right in our backyard area. So it's really just about, you know, making sure that we're just constantly connected to showing them and exposing them. Right. And I talk a lot about that. And then just balancing working motherhood. I'm a lawyer by background and training and work currently at a large pharmaceutical company. You know, employee and labor relations is my background and, and employment counseling, human resource strategy. It runs the gamut. It's where the wind takes me. And I thoroughly believe that if you're going to do something for your career, it better be something you love. So those are just me in a nutshell. And you can find me on Instagram, Journey to Table. I love that. And I love the name of your business, Journey to Table. And I would love for you to share what your life was before Journey to Table. You mentioned that you are a lawyer. 
But how has starting Journey to Table helped your life evolve today? What's different about the way you live your life today based on what you're learning as a mom, you know, three young boys, (laughs) busy working. And, you know, for those of you listening, this is not just for working moms, because in fact, I think all moms work, whether you go to the office or not, right? You are a working mom, but this is for career moms, busy moms, stay at home moms, just moms who have a household obligation to deal with. So tell us what your life was like before you started Journey to Table. Yeah, yeah. Even for kids, before a husband. Yes. For non-parents, because I don't, I always say that I will never let motherhood define me, right? You will always Mm -hmm. remember what you were at the best time of your life. And it's an evolution. So what you think is like the best year of your life, it's not. You'll find another year that was even more fantastic or a year that you struggled. And then the following year, when you're looking back at it, you're like, oh, that was actually my best growth year. Mm -hmm. So it's just this life, this journey. So for me, pre-journey to table, it was still living a journey. It just wasn't documented, right? So I think I will say that at the age of 18, after having two incredible parents that let me be exactly who I was in a very traditional environment around us and said, you know what, let her live the way that Nadia is. And I'm not even going to question it. I will remind her to think before she speaks sometimes because, you know, Lord knows I still need help with that. But just let me be authentically me always, right? Until the age of 18. And then all of a sudden, you know, having a huge loss and losing the biggest supporter, advocate, best friend in your life. So I lost my dad. And for me, it was a blessing in a curse. So the blessing was that I grew up incredibly fast. So 18, but felt like I could handle the world because I had no choice. I had to support my mom who is an emotional, you know, housewife up until that moment. And then she started showing me what a true powerful woman could do. And that my dad showed her enough of the ropes, included her enough of the conversations to truly, you know, take on some of the businesses and make sure that we were not feeling like we were financially strapped. And, And also at the same time, gave us the love that he continued to give and showed my mom, what he truly valued, which was let them be who they are. And let's always kind of support their educational journeys. Let's never tell them what to do. And that she did exactly that, right? I was thinking journalism. I was thinking politics. I was thinking law. Each one of those, she was just there to listen the way he was there to listen. So it just, and the curse was, I no longer had him to be like my voice, right? Or to listen to my voice or to give me some words of advice. But that taught me that I needed to be that person for myself. And that was the journey of just figuring out and knowing and trusting A, in a greater power, that things manifest when they're meant to, and that things are written. And, you know, you could only go so far, but to give your best, right? So I did not stop with my journey to figure things out, to dabble in politics, to dabble in law, to figure out what within law I love, which was employment side and labor and really listening to people's stories through their employment journey and advocating for them or protecting their interests as well as business interests. But like for me, I had a long time to get there and I'm still figuring it out, right? Like career doesn't stop. Career is a journey as well. So yeah, yeah, hopefully that answered. I love that. And, you know, there are so many amazing lessons from your dad. I'm sure it was an incredible period of time for you. But I love what you said about your mom was a stay-at-home mom And she was involved in the conversations. A lot of times women who are staying home with the kids who may not 
be pursuing careers right now by choice or by circumstance, sometimes feel like they don't have a say in family finances because they're not actively contributing, but you are actively contributing, right? You're at home taking care of the family. You're managing your household budget, perhaps. So I love that he involved her and he told her what was going on. And just a sidebar for anyone listening, like if you are a stay-at-home mom, you're not actively pursuing a career right now, you still have a voice and say in your household finances and you want to involve yourself, right? You can plan the home budget. You can plan spending. There's so many things you can do. You can give your insight into investments. You can even be the investment manager. So thank you for sharing that. I also love what you said about motherhood not defining us. And that's something I definitely struggled with, especially when I was a new mom in the very, like the first year of having my twins, where it was almost as if the world and coming from a traditional (laughs) African family, they want motherhood to define you. This is what you have been birthed from. For <laughs> This is what you are here to do. Be a mother. This is what you, you know, so you kind of, I was very conflicted. I was like, but I have my own dreams. I have my own ambitions. Am I being a bad mom? If I leave them to do this, if I don't like, so I love that you said that. And also the best times of your life are not defined by whether you're a mom or not. You know, it's just based on what experiences you're having. And I also love that you said that you looking back at what could have been a difficult year, you can reflect on it and say, this was an amazing growth year for me, right? Mm-hmm. So looking back and taking the good out of whatever circumstance is happening to you. Absolutely. So you are passionate about traveling. Where did this come from? Uh, <laughs> easy, easy. Totally my dad, right? Like the guy screamed exploration and adventure from like his living room chair. He would he had this fascination with the world. Nat Geo was always on. I think I watched 60 Minutes as like a seven-year-old. Everybody watched the new Disney movie on Sunday. We went to the movies and I was like, we did love movies, don't get me wrong. But like the exposure to the world in Nat Geo, in Harlem, to all like the, the Puerto Rican spot, all the way down to like the Nigerian spot near near the 116th street mosque i mean he loved to expose me as much as he could to the world even from new york and new jersey and in addition to that he loved to travel so we went on trips and at an early age and it wasn't that age mattered to him we were still going and we were still going to learn from whatever island we were visiting to a country so still remember like a plane to london at the age of seven and and Mm -hmm. but i distinctly remember everything about that seven-year-old London trip. And I went frequently after, and I could still pinpoint what I saw as a child. And that shaped so much of me because every time I visited, it was a different kind of experience, but you could pinpoint to the times that, you know, you were with your ultimate team, like the first people who exposed you and that deep appreciation for how now I want to be a parent and how I want to continue to expose is a beautiful gift that he gave me. And, you know, I don't even know if he realized what he was opening up when mm. he put on that geo over 60 minutes, but include your kids as much as possible, your spouse, and take those people along the journey, right? From your living room all the way to an actual flight, if possible for folks. But I loved it and I continued doing it. I did it. I did a research trip in in college, I did a model UN trip to Russia. When I had a chance, I said, this is what my dad would have wanted for me to do. Wow. So I did that. And then, you know, went into a research project into Egypt and stayed and did a solo travel trip to Cairo and stayed with some friends and explored and had some, let's say, interesting stories about that solo trip to a <laughs> Middle Eastern country and learned a lot about like the level of strength we needed to exhibit 
and you know what not to do I should say and then what to do right like all across the years taking my husband and really exposing him and asking him like where does he want to go and you know making a decision together about whether it be adventure or whether it be cultural this time because I always wanted a good mix and including him on that journey all the way to like now selecting countries with our kids so if we're thinking about our next trip we're like I think the last conversation was all right guys we're either going to go to the Bahamas where it's like kid Vegas, or we're going to go climb Machu Picchu in Peru. What's more exciting. And for them, they're like nine, seven and, and four, and almost four hands down. It was like Atlantis water slides, duh. And for <laughs> us, we took a few steps back and we're like, all right, it can't always be like this in-depth cultural experience. Sometimes it is about that fun. And I'll say like, it's a good mix, right? Just give your kids that autonomy and independence to be able to select. And then the next time we actually go on that experiential cultural tour, and that's what we choose, they might have a deeper appreciation and say, oh, next time, hands down, every time you ask me, it's going to be Peru. So who knows, right? But like, you kind of want them to be part of that decision making power, even mm-hmm. at a young age. Yeah. And I love that your dad exposed you to travel, whether it was locally in your neighborhood or internationally going abroad. I think we can all do that as parents for our kids, give them exposure And obviously there is the soft life enjoyment travel. Let's go to the Bahamas. Let's go to the Caribbean. You know, let's go to the theme park. I do that with my kids as well. And there is the real life experience defining travel as well, right? So my kids have been to Nigeria. They're going to go back again soon. And it's just, it helps you gain perspective. And I think it's really important that your kids get to see, and even yourself, you get to see life from a different perspective than what you are used to. And this could mean going to, taking a drive to another part of your your state, another part of your city, another part of the country, traveling abroad, but just having that broad exposure helps you think differently. And if you're able to do that for your children while they're younger, it gives them a well-rounded experience. So similar to you growing up, you know, we lived abroad, we lived in Austria, and then we got to travel to the UK. We're back and forth to Nigeria. My dad went to college in Russia. I was in Albany, New York with my mom while she was going to college. And all those experiences were definitely life-defining experiences for me that have helped to mold and shape me. And just even travel when I was a kid in Nigeria, my mom taking me like to markets in a different state because she was trying to bulk buy certain things that were not sold in our state. Exactly. Yeah. Right? yeah. And and walking through mud with baskets and people mm-hmm. with wheelbarrows and tons of this stuff she was trying to bulk purchase or her business. And you know, those experiences have all shaped and defined me. So I love what you said. So you have these three young boys who I have met. We met this summer. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, we had a combined experience with my twins and your boys, and it was a busy, busy, busy <laughs> and hot party. It's positive spin as possible. Only a podcaster and a lawyer can do. But yes, I'm still in recovery. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Oh my god, it was amazing for them though. So, yeah. how do you plan and afford to travel with three young kids? Right, because a lot of times people travel when they're single. They do a lot of traveling, and then kids come into the mix. And of course, kids yeah. are expensive. No matter how you try to manage the budget, kids add an additional expense to your life because it's no longer just you, and you have three. So, how do you plan and afford travel with three young children? Because it's one thing to say, okay, we're going to pay for gas or pay for plane tickets, but then the logistics of 
three kids (laughs) is also, you know, something to think about. How do you do it? And what tips can you share with people listening who are like, I can't travel with my kids? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. This is great. I mean, it's something I'm extremely passionate about. So here's what I'll say is I am so sad that none of them are two years old anymore because that is a free flight ticket. Free flights. (laughs) Not forget about the power. And people are always concerned, like, oh, it's too young. Are they even going to remember the trip? Who cares? You need to go on your trip. (laughs) And, you know, if you can't get back up here for your two-year-old, just take them. They're going to be cute in the photos. We'll figure it out. You know, get a little up a baby stroller, one of those nice travel stroller, umbrella strollers that are reliable and go on your trip. Strap Um, them in that stroller. Listen, go on your trip. (laughs) Let that stop you because that's going to be great for budget. The other thing I would say is constantly, I think from the get-go when my husband and I were talking and when we had just first met and we were considering marriage because I'm Muslim by religion and Pakistani by background with a little bit of additional like places that my parents were from and lived. But for the most part, we don't have premarital relations. We try not to for religious reasons and we really date for the purpose of marriage. So when we talk about meeting our spouses, we're serious about talking about things that are really important post-marriage. For me, Mm -hmm. I think from the beginning, I was like, I don't care about the big home. I want to travel, right? Like that was super important to me. I said, I don't care about, you know, the, I do like fancy cars, but I will not compromise and get the fancy cars if that means we cannot travel, right? So like, I really, really made sure that my future potential spouse was aware that that was super important to me. And he was aware because he followed me on Facebook and I had just come back from a trip to Egypt and he'd be like, holy, what's happening? Like, this is a wild girl. I didn't think I was going to bring this. Wild girl. She went to Egypt. <laughs> on and You know what I mean? Like in her 20s, unmarried. And for our culture, you know, that's kind of off guard. You have no husband, but you're going to Egypt. Yes, yes, exactly. <laughs> Maybe he was like are those are there? my aunties yeah exactly. <laughs> is your husband in egypt <laughs> yeah exactly he was like did you go to find a guy i'm like no first of all not my type <laughs> yeah, yeah so anyways I, I made sure it was important to him and he understood my passion and together we budgeted our life and said every year we're gonna do one domestic trip and one international And the domestic would probably be a little bit more of a budget. It would be local. It would be, you know, something we were looking for flight deals. And if we found a flight deal, we snagged it. And our international trip was where we spent a little bit more on. So, you know, while in the beginning we told ourselves our max budget would be five to 7,000. We were early in our marriage. You know, we were trying to build our career still. I think I was still in law school. So whatever we could manage and muster and save up and say, this is just for travel. We did that. And other years, it got closer to 10 to 12. And, you know, who knows, right? Like our career might take a downturn, the economy might change, and we're back to five to seven. The point is to have the conversations about that budget and what's important and where you want to go next, because that can dictate a lot about the budget. So if you want to go to Central America, flights are really expensive. But once you get there, it might be more manageable to get around, transportation is much cheaper. So thinking through the logistics of flight cost versus once you get to those countries, how much more bearable the budget could be. And then when you're within country, thinking about Airbnb versus hotels, right? Some countries still have very affordable hotel options. But if you're into luxury and you're thinking to yourself, it looks borderline hostile, like the hostile environments, and that's just not for you, that's okay. There's a place where an Airbnb now is the same cost with a bougie chandelier. So don't you worry, right? Like just (laughs) research, just do your research, right? For your destination. 
I love that. Those are such great tips. Definitely the under two traveling for free. I unfortunately was not able to take advantage of that super saving budgeting perk because, you know, we just couldn't make it work traveling with my husband yeah. and me. And I can't travel with two babies by myself, right? Because they have to sit in your lap. Yeah, yeah. That's why my friends like, oh, I'm sick. Just bring the kids. I'm like, but yeah, you you have one that can sit by themselves, and you just have to put the other one in your lap. But I need to figure yeah, out how yeah. to put two in my lap and then strap oh, them together, and then yeah, they won't yeah. let me. Oh, okay. <laughs> but that's that is if you have kids of different ages or just one baby, that's really a great opportunity to still travel and save significantly on those costs in terms of like planning around where you stay. Those are also really great tips. So thank you so much for sharing that. So let's shift gears a bit from talking about travel and you can, if you have any additional tips you can share, but on your journey to table website, you share cooking recipes and your passion for food, right? I love food. We all eat (laughs) to survive. And we are living in times of high inflation right now, right? Everything is just ridiculously expensive and salaries are not falling sweet. Mm -hmm. What are your top budget cooking hacks? Yes. Okay. I will say that people have this incredible anti-frozen sentiment, right? But where you can get bulk food at frozen, like, so think about frozen vegetables. If you can get that and really think through meal prep and budgeting at looking at like sale items at the end of a week, that's helpful too. So if you have time and there happens to be good sales at local grocery stores that you know of, then show up and then just get things in bulk, even if some of it happens to be frozen. It's not the best top thing because we know that oftentimes when you do get frozen vegetables, for example, it could get too soft. So I do tend to yeah. go more fresh vegetables. So if you're really just not in that boat and it's not something of interest for the type of cuisine that you cook, because some cuisine does really well with frozen food. I know mine, Pakistani and Indian culture doesn't. It needs its fresh cut okra and it needs its fresh cut yeah. types of vegetables like zucchini. Terrible frozen, by the way. Don't <laughs> but, you know, lesson learned. You need to figure that out. And so I do gravitate towards doing the fresh vegetables. And I'd say... If you're budgeting, don't let it be on the things that are good for your sustenance, right? Like don't compromise on your health by not spending enough on vegetables and going towards spending more on the red meats and the more expensive cuts, right? Try to compromise on the meat itself because let's say you take a type of skirt steak or a different cut of the beef that you find is inexpensive. If you marinate that, for enough time, let's say 24, 48 hours, it will be as soft as you need it. So you don't necessarily need the most expensive meat to have really great steak dinners, especially if you're thinking through steak fajitas, right? Like mm-hmm. you don't need the expensive cut of meat. And then you can- yeah, also- To be yeah. honest, like, and if you're a master chef listening to this, please do not come for me, but <laughs> me, please. to be oh honest, right? Unless you are eating an actual like steak steak, which I don't like anyway, you can't really tell the difference once you have sauteed and mixed in your veggies and mixed in your soups and sauces with the meat. Exactly. I mean, it still tastes good if you make a good sauce, a good base. So yeah, definitely cheaper cuts. Yes, 100%. And even like with the chicken, right? Stay lean. It's healthier for your family. Chicken breasts are often the more inexpensive things. Mm-hmm. If you find that your meat is rough because it wasn't maybe the organic 
you know, certified farm raised chickens of Vermont, then take a look at the kid. And then just to, what I would say is take off the tough meat at the top, right? You will take a look at your chicken and you'll know what feels right, right? And if you feel like you need to take off that extra toughness that may not be an organic chicken, but you might find in other kinds of chicken, and that's really all that you can afford at this time, then do your best to sort of take off that extra graininess at the top, take that extra fat off, that layer of, it's almost like fiber, you'll see fiber, just take off that layer and keep in the internal meat, right? And use that because it'll, it'll remain juicy, it will be chewy. So, you know, take a look at the meat that you're getting and then cut off the layers and really have fun with marination. Mm -hmm. then, yeah. The other thing I would say is like, don't scoff at budget spots like Aldi. Like that's in the Northeast. It's a German brand. I mean, they're probably comparable types and maybe not everybody knows what Aldi is, but you know, it's, there are many types of grocery stores that you can find what you need at budget costs. You don't necessarily need to walk into the most expensive whole foods type of spots to get healthy food for your family, right? It's how you prepare it. It's what you take from those grocery stores and how you continue to prepare it, add those vegetables to that dish to make it healthy again. Yeah, I agree. And fun fact, I grew up with Aldi in Austria. And I remember as a kid in Aldi, they did not have the, what's it called? The computerized checkout machines or the cash register. Yes, yes. And so the cashier would memorize, or that was part of their job to know the prices of everything. Oh, interesting. In the store. And they would use a calculator to like one of those calculator that spits out the receipt yeah. to type in what you purchased. And I always found it so intriguing because I'm like, these people must have incredible memories because they knew the price of everything, right? Yeah. So yeah, definitely Aldi. I'm a huge Trader Joe's fan. Yes, exactly. Um, yeah. When it comes to like vegetables, again, a lot of Nigerian cuisine, just like yours requires fresh veggies, but frozen corn, canned yes. corn always works. Your tin tomatoes, your tin tomato paste, frozen peas. Those are frozen options that just always, they always work, right? Absolutely. Things like maybe broccoli, cauliflower, zucchini, those stuff yeah. you may want to buy fresh, spinach, all that kind of stuff, but frozen options still work and they can be significantly cheaper, especially if you buy the store brand. A lot of store brands carry organic options that are much cheaper than the organic options from the name brands. And I just want to highlight organic shaming because I've gotten a lot of that. You mean you don't yes. buy organic? Listen, yes. you can eat healthy yes. without buying organic, right? You can create a balance of both organic and non-organic, and you can choose if your budget affords it to buy all organic. But listen, you can eat healthy not buying fully organic. I remember when my kids were first born, I got obsessed with a dirty dozen. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. But that has stuck with me forever. Like basically when you think about buying fresh fruits and vegetables, if you're trying to purchase organic, anything that has a thicker sleeve or skin like bananas, right? Mm -hmm. It's okay to buy those unorganic because when it's growing in the soil, it's that skin that's yeah. absorbing Yes. bulk of it and then things with like thinner skins like strawberries or blueberries right maybe you can purchase those organic but again to reiterate you can eat healthy you can feed your family well you can be healthy you can thrive yes. buying regular food okay no organic shaming here <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah and look and i also kind of want to go back to your other point about these large chains that are not necessarily selling the name brand, but they have their own brand. So I will completely shout out Costco for organic tomato. Let me tell you that yes. that takes 
pre-minced garlic that saved my hands, my energy, my life as a working mom. <laughs> yep, right? Like go towards the places you know are going to give you sanity and make cooking enjoyable. Because as soon as you start thinking to yourself, oh my God, I have to mince my garlic. Like, yes, there uh, are- yeah, my, You smell it, even yeah. your, your dreams. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. And there are days, look, I want a nice Italian moment and the house is empty and I put my little apron on and- Andrea Pacelli is on, you know, like, you know, there's a scene and you want to do that fresh cut, beautiful, you know, minced garlic for your sauce. But then there are days that you, it's 5 PM, your kids are cranky, your husband requested bolognese sauce, it's his favorite, and you don't have the five hours. So those fresh cut, diced, canned organic tomatoes, that fresh minced garlic from California garlic fields, like that's available at bulk at Costco for under $10 and it saves you for months. So just be smart with it, add a little bit of bulk time. And I know it's annoying to try and look at your pantry and think, oh my God, it's so many things. And did I really need all these things? Okay, don't get the ones that perish fast, but mm -hmm. can tomatoes last forever? And again, it's how you flavor it, right? So whether or not you like canned things, it's really the time and energy. You could still make some fantastic bolognese. And I, and I have a recipe where it's fantastic bolognese sauce. And really the secrets are balsamic vinegar, um, mm. aged, aged balsamic vinegar. And that really just balances out any kind of tomato, whether it was fresh or canned. Oh, I got to try that because that bolognese is one of my jams. That's one of my six meals I cook real well. <laughs> Oh, enjoy it. Let me know how it comes out with a little bit I'm of I'm going to try that. And then another thing, if you're listening to this, you can try, just go on Pinterest and type in canned food challenge. Oh, cute. I've seen some videos on Pinterest and YouTube that there's no way, no I'm way. Right. I'm writing this down. This anything is... from a can, but yeah. blow your mind. And I've actually tried a couple of them. And I learned about this during the pandemic when there was like nothing on the shelf in the grocery store. And I was like digging deep, deep, deep mm -hmm. in the back of my pantry. I'm like, what can I do with this? <laughs> <laughs> and I find I found the camp food challenge. Oh, that is awesome. Listen, try it out. Yes. <laughs> oh, I'm excited about that. I'm Googling it. So next question for you, I have. So we've talked about travel, we've talked about cooking. So a lot of our listeners and a lot of women are single parent moms, whether it's by choice or by, you know, divorce or whatever. Single parent mothers exist. They are amazing. Yeah. But sometimes they may feel like it's difficult to save and invest for their kids with one income. Mm -hmm. um, you are in a dual parent household, but for mm -hmm. a single mom who's listening to this, what tips can you give to a single parent household when it comes to making their money stretch in terms of doing the things that they want to do? Like, I know you share tips about travel, you share tips about yeah. cooking on a budget, but are there any other tips that you can give around saving and investing when you just have the one income? So think about your parents, right? Your mom was a stay-at-home mom. Yes. It was yes. the one income through your dad. Like yeah. any tips that you can share from that? Yes, absolutely. I would say... A, never shame yourself into thinking you're not doing what's best for your child because they mm -hmm. aren't in the best, most expensive sports because you weren't able to take them on the trip this year or next year or the next five years. I think for them, what they need is a happy, content, beautiful, powerful mom. It's what I saw. Mm -hmm. And I compromised on a few things that I thought were things that we couldn't deal with financially at the time. We got out of it, but I certainly remember my mom telling me, it's okay what you decide to do. I'm here to support it. But I saw in her eyes the stress. I didn't want that. And it wasn't that she knew that I felt bad and that she was causing that, but, and she didn't at all. But let me tell you, her opening up the opportunity to tell me that I had a choice was a beautiful moment. So maybe, maybe offer to your child 
you know, one sport out of the whole entire year, right? Or two alternative trips and say, we can either go to, you know, drive down to Florida for a quick beach trip, or we, you know, go to the lake where you knew, you know, we, we thoroughly enjoyed the last time we were there and like make them part of it and make them feel like, okay, we're not going to Alaska on a cruise. We're not going to Disney on a cruise, but there are all are also things that my mom is excited about that she's going to get out for that she's happy and excited about. And, you know, we're also thinking about our family togetherness time, because at the end of the day, like I, I truly mean it. I think the most valuable experiences I had with my parents we're not on these big fancy trips. They were on in a road trip going to a cousin's house. It was on the way to work to see my dad work. It was on the way to my mom after my dad had passed away to take her to Harlem to the stores that my dad left behind to see her, you know, activate and become this powerful woman. And I was just sitting there in awe. So just being there and being present is the best gift you can give as a single mom, whether by choice or not. Happy mothers are the best mothers. And if that means that you need to just put a little money aside along the journey, that may not mean anything right now to them or to you. And you think $5 a week, $10 you know, a week and putting it towards a savings plan is not enough. A, it adds up. And B, it's enough for you to say to yourself, you're doing something, right? Give yourself a little bit of a stick and don't lose hope. Like it all always works out in the end. And you want your kids to be able to come to you and say, mom, I remember the days that you took care of me. It's my turn to take care of you. So just remain happy and positive and, and believe and believe. That is really fantastic advice. Being a happy mom, even if you're happy in your living room, trying to figure out crafts with your kids, that's mm -hmm. what kids remember, right? Those are gems. That's a gem of advice you've given us. I love that. Yeah, and also, Lola, I just wanted to add one thing. The yes. You know, there's been times when I myself, it doesn't matter if it's a dual income, sometimes, you know, careers are not always guaranteed. You're expendable at these big corporations or these small stores or whatever. So even those who think like everything is stable and I've got all the money to spend and expend and, you know, save up on that too. It's, it's to the families that think that, you know, our incomes won't be impacted, that ultimately get a day like I did, you know, where we had paradise, the best life in any girl could ask for. And then all of a sudden, things are all questioned, right? And it's all, our future is questionable and income goes, uh -huh. it does. And you hit these roadblocks. And for me, I would say, like, if I were to look back and it happened to me tomorrow or today, and it might, that I can still take my kids the free, in my mind, I'm already sort of planning all these free activities, right? Think about taking them to the park, to the marina, to sit, to explore, to have your girl pod and their friends and just be surrounded by the right people and then think about those activities that are absolutely free by your government. Thank God for, you know, certain parts of U the United States of America and the way that our counties work and the free resources available at school and, you know, stipends that are available through sports teams for those in need or those who even ask. Sometimes people aren't even like, what's your financial record? Show me. If you just maybe ask for a little bit of relief, don't be embarrassed by it. You know, stay strong, of course, have your confidence, but I know in many cultures, it's like, no, I'm never asking for help. But if you need it, and it's only for a temporary, and you can always pay it forward, don't be afraid to ask for help where the resources exist. Yeah. And you know, that takes me back to being a, a mid-teenager and my dad having to step away from work and losing our main significant income. And I don't talk about it much, but it was, mm -hmm. it was such a 
life-changing experience, you know, and as a teenager, every experience is heightened, right? And for me, this was the world was ending, the the income was lost, which means everything was changing about the way we lived our lives. Um, We sold cars, we downsized into an apartment that could pretty Mm. much fit into my dad's former bedroom or my mom's former bedroom. So back then, back in our parents' generation and prior, we followed the British system where there was the mother's room and the father's room. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> probably yeah. see that in like Downton, Downton yes, Abbey yes. and like old movies. So a lot of homes were built where there was a mother's bedroom and a father's bedroom. And our apartment could fit into one bedroom. And it was a real struggle. And I don't talk about it much because I, I don't even like to think about that period of time, but it does happen, right? And my parents just figured out how to, how do we make this work? My mom stepped up as breadwinner. She started hustling her businesses and you know, I was going with her on the hustle and I saw the tears. I saw the struggle. Oh. I saw the stress, but they yeah. still tried to create balance for us, right? Mm-hmm. We couldn't travel to this place. We couldn't buy these things, but guess what? Let's try to do something fun at home in the backyard. I remember one time my mom sat us all down and she showed us how to make a clay and sand stove. Oh, outside using the dirt from the, the dirt oh. from our backyard. Oh, I wish we knew each other when I was little, Bola. That's sounds- and I cooked on that thing. So you you just you know we all go through tough circumstances in life. It happens to everyone, right? And just when you have young kids, how do you? guide them through the inevitable of difficult times of life, but still create a sense of balance and happiness and joy. So thank you for sharing that. Yeah, absolutely. So one of the things you mentioned earlier was, especially when you're talking about the single mom advice, was being present for your kids. You are a busy mom, business owner. You work as a lawyer. How do you maintain quote unquote balance? And I put the word balance in quotes because it's a lie, but we all kind of create our own balance. (laughs) How do you remain present with your kids, your husband while doing all these other things you're doing? Yeah, I made some tough calls by leaving a job or an industry that I knew I wouldn't be the, the mom that I am today. So I left traditional law firm world. It at the time, it wasn't the best place for a minority female young mom. I had my first child in my third year of law school actually planned because I was in a clinic that third year. It's very active, practical law, no more learning. And so I thought, okay, I'll just take my bar exam after, you know, he was born and get the support I needed from my in-laws who at the time and culturally, we actually live together, right? So you purchase, and, and sometimes it's actually helpful in a financial way. So we don't think about it culturally, We think about it like, oh, okay, it's just a matter of rite of passage. It's the elder son takes care of your family. And it's very much a mutual relationship that I will always prize and possession with myself. It's like, how everyone's like, how did you live with your in-laws? I said, no, you look at them as parents. You treat them like parents, right? Like you do it to keep it. You're laughing because you're like, how? Yeah, that's exactly what I'm wondering. How did you do it with your in-laws? How did you do it, girl? Well, I'll say like, hey, it went through law school like that, right? I had my first child in that scenario. And then I had my second as a working woman in a law firm world like that. And to have people come into the home to support your child as enrichment and things like that, but to have somebody else watch them, make sure things are, they're loved and they're cared for. Additionally, like I couldn't replace that. I can't replace like a grandparent's love. 
So, you know, there's compromises for sure, right? Like there is this, you know, questions you ask yourself, like, oh, is it going to be like this forever? And, you know, how do I make the best situation? But like, it also teaches you, A, the beauty and this aspect of like taking care of your parents is a whole cyclical thing, right? Mm -hmm. I want someone to take care of my mom in her old age. I want, if I ever need someone, I want my kids to say, do you need help? Do you need us to take care of your, you know, for me to be able to say, do you need help, my child? Like, you look like you're struggling through life. Your, you know, your daughter, your, your wife is now going through medical school. I'm just imagining this. My, you know, my son, my hypothetical daughter-in-law wants to do medical school and they just don't have the financial means. Like what happens in those scenarios? I, I want there to be some sort of system in place where we continue to give back and respect, you know, our elders and, and vice versa. So I will just say like, you know, there was a support system there and I will never be able to repay that. But I can only say, you know, again, use the health where it is because it's tremendous. And, you know, I think not every system is lent up for that, is built up for that. So I would say, you know, I asked myself a thousand times, I'm walking away from a career, a big paycheck with the law firm world, going into an industry where, okay, it's now for a corporation, different from my salary, but it gave me a better balance at life. And still allowed me to afford some supplemental, you know, support for my children. So whether it be a nanny, whether it be a really great school, Montessori program that we were paying for, I needed to ask myself, what's a good balance of income for both me to be able to continue to do what I love, which is have have a career Mm -hmm. and still be able to save for them and still be able to be a good mom. And so that took a bunch of hard decisions on moving away from something I thought I would do, right? Which is like traditional employment and labor law. But A, I need to take care of my own well-being because to be the best mom, you need to know what makes you happy, right? And so I knew that that was not a world for me. And walking away from certain careers just because you think that's for you, no. Ask yourself the tough questions and ask yourself, what makes the best version of yourself? Because that's going to translate to being a better mother and giving the kids the resources they need to feel well-loved either by you and your husband who doesn't have to feel financially strapped if you, you know, and the family around you and whatever resource that you add onto your family, make sure it's the right fit that adds love when you can't be there. Right. And, and making those tough calls, but you know, there's a lot of nanny shaming, right. For sure. And I speak at a place out of a place of privilege to say, I can afford one right now. I don't know what the future holds, but right now I will say, that at the end of the day, if my child is loved by someone when I'm not there and I'm able to afford it at a certain level that, you know, I put away a certain amount of my savings for a more active place now. So it's not a savings, right? It's not going out of my savings. I'm not putting it into my savings, but I'm saying it's it's an investment now into my children because there's still love and support and someone taking care of them when I can't. And I'm able to do the things that I'm, I love to do, you know, four or five days out of the week for a certain uh, number of hours. But I will say as a very active mom, my mom always says like, it's maybe too active and I don't sit down and I'm always adding them to different things. It's because like, I, that's how I enjoy them, right? I live vicariously through them. I didn't play soccer in school. I played tennis in high school, but I didn't. And and it was kind of in a private club, not even at my high school because it was a very small private school, academics focused and religious studies. And now I'm watching my son play soccer. I love my husband and I love taking him to soccer because we're living vicariously for him. He loves it. We love it. We're all living together, like going through the activities and motions together. 
And it's just picking things that they're passionate about. And when they're passionate about it, you also feed passion. So it's kind of like this really great balance of life, which is be active in ways where you know it's also exciting you. Don't, you know, it's not, not every activity is going to be fantastic, but don't make it a drag because when the kids are happy also, that that truly influences your life. So, Mm -hmm. you know, it's a good balance of asking them what kind of sports they want to play, maybe guiding them towards some sort of sport. I'm a big advocate. I have three boys, so like sports is a necessary, (laughs) be necessary thing my home to expend that energy and I enjoy it right I think I'm quintessentially a boy mom I don't know if I could ever do like little (laughs) and like princess dresses I could barely iron my own clothes so (laughs) imagine a daughter being like mom you missed a wrinkle like no can't do that (laughs) yeah I love all of that and you know what you said about having to make choices in order to be present with your kids in order to have that intentional relationship with your kids and for you, it was living with your in-laws and they saved you a lot of money, right? In terms of the expenses you would have had to have for childcare, for living alone. My mother-in-law has saved me thousands and thousands of dollars yeah. in childcare, in catering. In <laughs> <laughs> catering, right? <laughs> yeah, I should you you know, and people are like, well, you know, they don't want to live with their in-laws. They get on their nerves. But guess what? My mom gets on my nerves. Okay. <laughs> That's so funny. Over time. You learn each other, you get used to each other and you just make it work. And the yeah, good yeah. always trumps the minor, you know, annoyances. Mm-hmm. And you just get used to each other. You, you know, you, you go into a relationship with your in-laws and you, it's, you have to get to know them the same way you got to know your husband, yeah, right? And yeah. The same way your husband got to know you, your family, his family, it's all part of the arrangement. It's part of the agreement. If there is family that you need to meet, yeah. like you guys just deal with it. And if you yeah. can't, then you keep your, you keep yeah. your distance, but you know, definitely in-laws can be extremely helpful. If you have them around and you have their support, definitely take advantage of it. And then the other thing I just wanted to get on my soapbox about that you said was the nanny shaming. So in a broader aspect, I think there's this expectation that also comes from other women, which is unfortunate that mothers, new mothers are super women, super, Mm. you know, with powers that never run out. I've been, as a mom and talking about personal experience, I've been shamed in so many ways that are not okay. Mm. I was C-section shamed. Mm. I was breastfeeding shamed. I did. I could not breastfeed my babies, not because I couldn't, but I breastfed them, I think for about seven weeks and I was losing weight aggressively. I was, I was pumping 80 ounces a day, my wow. frame. And my wow. doctor was like, you are going to be sick. You yeah. need to stop. And I was shamed for a while. You mean you're not going to breastfeed? I was shamed for having a nanny. I've had au pairs. I've been shamed for all of that. But the reason why I've done all this is so I can stay well. Well, C-section was not by choice. That was an emergency C-section. And I was rooting for a C-section anyway, because I'd heard the horror stories. Mm-hmm, yeah. <laughs> I watched, I went on, I don't know where I went and I watched the videos like, oh my God, no, this can never be me. <laughs> yeah. C-section, C-section. <laughs> Please. <Yeah. laughs> but I've been shamed in all these different ways. And I'm sure many moms listening can state one motherhood shaming experience. And the reason why we get the help, we ask for the help, we do all these things because we are trying to be well, we're trying to have more energy to maybe be with our kids, maybe spend more time with our partner, maybe do more things for ourselves, right? I've had nannies and I still have nannies because I need help. And sometimes I'm drowning, even with the help I have. I lean on my mother-in-law, I lean on my mom because I need the help. I'm not a superhuman, invincible being Mm -hmm. who can Mm -hmm. cook all the meals, clean the whole house, do all the laundry, (laughs) go to work. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. 
No, there, are days, so... there are days for that, but it's not every day. And if we were to do all of that every day, I think what kind of breakdown would we have that we're, we're getting towards? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So it's just, yeah, the motherhood shaming, the breastfeeding shaming. Oh, yeah. I was a formula mom. Okay. And I'm, I was yeah. good with that. And my kids are fine. Yeah. Yeah. Thank they're you cute. very much. I, they're cute, <laughs> smart, and like just all sorts of great things. <laughs> okay. And my mom told me, she's like, listen, yeah. when your child gets older, right? You think they're going to know whether they ate breast milk or yeah, exactly exactly you think they're gonna know i think when they think about your contribution to their lives as a mother yeah are they gonna say well mommy was always there she was able to do things with us she showed us a lot of love or my mommy family formula but i really wanted to be breastfed what do you think they're gonna say to you yeah 100%. You don't care nobody cares okay no. do what works for you as no. mom yeah, who crossed? Well I don't know, Bola. Who are these people? Let me talk to them. My aunties. <laughs> <laughs> okay, no, I don't want to mess with no Nigerian aunties. <laughs> You're dealing with that on your own. <laughs> and coworkers, people in the street. I remember. So I was on bed rest. Sorry, off topic, but I was on bed rest for five months of my pregnancy. And I remember the like the week I was going on bed rest. I didn't know it. I was getting off the train from New York, walking home, and I was walking really slowly. And with twins, my belly was just bigger than the mm-hmm. at that time four and a half months. Then I looked more pregnant than I really was. Okay. And I remember walking. It was hot in the summer. And this lady says, oh, my God, it's too hot to be pregnant. What? <laughs> Stop. Stop. I'm not in any mood for that. That's crazy. Like, leave mothers alone, okay? <laughs> yeah. Pregnant. So, <laughs> yes, I'm off my soapbox. Back on topic. Back on track. <laughs> No, no, I can that. Love, love the podcast for that reason. It could go many different ways, Bola. I know, I know. So my final, well, my almost final question for you is just free to share advice for any women who are listening to this, who are feeling overwhelmed with just juggling life, kids, mm-hmm. family, work, business. We all have those moments where we're stressed out, we're tired, we're struggling. What is your best advice? I often, this is going to sound so granola. I didn't even realize I was this granola now in my mid thirties, but I would say I turn to nature a lot, right? Like take a breath of fresh air, open your door, stand outside, go for a walk, sit by water, whether it's a pond, a lake, an ocean, and look at what's in front of you and how vast it is and how you're just, and we have a saying in our, in our religion that we're just a droplet in this vast like surrounding around us and if we think we're important and we think that our problem is important remember in the grand scheme of things there are so many other things going on and we can control what we can control and we can't control what we can't and just take a breath and i've been through adversity i can speak firsthand my adversity may not be somebody else's adversity but i have enough friends enough stories enough of a group enough of the reading and knowing around in our world that we think our problems are big problems, but there's someone else with a greater problem. And I hate that mm-hmm. it has to resort to that, right? For us to be like, oh, well, I guess we're okay because their problem's a bigger problem. And it's not for that. It's to realize that we have the potential to reframe things, anything in our own mind, whatever it is. So if you look at somebody and you find yourself in a moment where you're like, I am struggling A, find a person that you can completely be vulnerable with. It could be a sibling. It could be a friend. It could be your spouse. It could be none of the above. And somebody in mental health counseling where, you know, no judgment is held and and you feel like you need somebody completely fresh and new. Just 
go to somebody to talk about it, write it out, right? Like if, if it's cathartic to write your problems out and then rip it up and be like, all right, now I'm moving on, then do that. But find your coping mechanism and know that tomorrow is a new day, that the next hour is a new hour, that in five minutes, it's a new five minutes that you no longer have whatever issues you were feeling and that you have the strength and no one can help you the way that you can help yourself, right? And so whether it be you being overwhelmed because the kids or work, or let's say it's the simple things, which is running a household and not being able to be the best housewife because the meals are not on the table. Take a few steps back, meal plan on a Sunday. That like little things will add up. If you are feeling financial stress, make a list, cut out the things that you feel like are just added and not necessary and make little steps towards those goals. But be goal-oriented, be very reflective and truly, truly believe in yourself. I love that. I love that. And just finding ways to take a break, take time away. Like you said, even if like for me, sometimes I cannot go out anywhere. I'm literally in my house, in my office or wherever I am. And I just put on lounge music. What helps you take your mind off of things that are difficult? I love like that whole fantasy genre, like, you know, Lord of the Rings, Harry Potter, that kind of stuff. Or one of my favorite things is to watch documentaries. Like I love Planet Earth. (laughs) Yeah, it's like one yeah. of the best documentaries in the history of documentaries. And it's like a series. And you can find this stuff just to take your mind off of things for a few minutes, 30 minutes, 15 minutes, whatever you can spare. So you can take a breath, you know. Yeah. So that's great advice. Everyone answers this question. So you have to tell me what is your clever girl superpower? Oh, okay. Positivity. I think if there's any adversity, there's an ability to think about things in a positive frame and be able to just move on from something. Life is so short. Let me tell you, right? 43 year old dad who passed away, life was still ahead of him. That went away. Friends come and go. It's just life is too short for you to hold on to a negative thought or a negative feeling. So superpower is positivity. I love that. Yeah. Life is short, you know, live the best life you can live let go of grudges, let go of the anger, let go of mm-hmm. even the people that are just trying to make you miserable, honestly. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> know your people, put the energy where you feel like the people are there for you. And if they're not, pray for them. If they're yeah, not, exactly. pray and move on. Godspeed, I wish you well, you're in my prayers. So how can folks keep in touch with you? This has been such great information. I've loved having this conversation with you. So tell us where we can find you, learn more, hang out. Yes. Oh my God. Journey to table journey, like the word journey to TO table, like the food table or the C-suite table, whichever you want to look at it on Instagram or journey to table.com journey to table on TikTok and reach out to me. I love meeting new people. Bola, this was amazing. I love talking to you. I hope this continues. I hope our kids yes. are crazy. kids meet again. And I hope like people from your podcast able to engage and I'm able to continue to engage and send people towards your fantastic content. You are a role model and just applaud you for who you are. Thank you. I applaud you too. And I appreciate you being here and for sharing your amazingness with the Clever Girls No listeners. Thank you so much, Nadia. All right, we'll talk soon. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode and I hope you enjoyed it. If you've loved the episode, but you don't yet subscribe to the podcast, you can do that everywhere you listen to your podcast episodes and head on over to iTunes and leave a review so other amazing women just like you can find this podcast as well. Thank you so much for being here and I'll talk to you on the next episode.